Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. If you're interested in learning about the ketogenic diet like I was to save my own life, then this is probably the podcast for you. Eight years ago, I knew nothing about it. Six years ago, it saved my life. Three years ago, I started researching and talking with some of the authorities in the field and attending medical conferences about this to understand why and how keto so dramatically changed my and my wife's Judy's lives. The purpose of this podcast is to share our journey of discoveries with you in understanding how keto is so effective in improving so many different conditions from obesity, epilepsy, diabetes, infertility, MS, Alzheimer's, heart disease, to name a few. So take a step away from all the hype you've probably heard and roll up your sleeves with me and join me weekly to explore this living miracle that anyone can access. We'll talk science, we'll talk food. We'll explore its history and evolution to today, which is that the sheer wonder of the ketogenic way of eating has changed untold number of lives, unlike anything before it. And in case I forget to mention it, please join our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. The sad truth about uric acid, elevated uric acid, is that it's not just one thing. And it really takes not a highly technical eye or a lot of what are all the variables about, but what you're being told isn't truthful in my view, that uric acid is primarily and nearly always associated with insulin resistance. This is what I thought I believed for the previous couple decades, you know? And there wasn't a lot of people that had semi out of range, elevated you know, uricemia, um, but it's changed over time. And so the population has changed. What is driving that? Yes, we can say it's insulin resistance because we can say, yeah, most of the population is uh, obese. And then certainly the majority of them are type two diabetic. So yes, that makes sense, but that's not the only thing. People have come to me, and you can see some of the, the comments in some of these presentations I've done. If you follow the sequence of, of presentations I've done on uric acid, it's like, wait a minute, I, I started a carnivore diet, and I'm feeling great in many ways, but I had my first episode of gout, and I've never had that before. And so they say, I, I don't, I've never had, I've never been a sugar guy or gal. I've never had these other things that have been discussed. What's going on? That's what I want to tell you about because you have to look at the bigger picture, which is not that complicated, but you need to look at something that's a little more comprehensive. You need to be a little more savvy. Excuse the flyer, the jets going by. You need to be a little more savvy about yourself. You need to know your own data. So don't just go, I'm going to take these things in case I have elevated uric acid. No, find out where you are. That's what I talk about. You got to track. And if you have an issue, then track what you're eating. That's the first place I would go. But it's not just about what you're eating as we'll get to later. Okay. So here's the context that I want to set for you to think about. Since gout, and we're using gout, the reason we keep on coming back to gout when we talk about elevated uric acid is because Gout hurts, and people who hurt go see their doctor, and it's discovered they have elevated uric acid. Of course, people who aren't hurting or in pain don't necessarily see their doctor or don't go very frequently, and so they don't know if they have elevated uric acid. So that's what they call asymptomatic elevated uric acid, asymptomatic hyperuricemia. Those that are in pain and go, my, my foot you know, really hurts, or my knee, but usually it's about your foot. Well, then they check it out and they go, well, here we go. I have a correlation. Foot hurts, elevated uric acid, 
you have gout, and if they really want to go further, they can find the kind of crystal you have to confirm it. And that would be through aspiration, which is not exactly fun. But so that's how that goes. We're using gout as a proxy because those are the people that go see their doctor or they go to the walk-in or they go to wherever. But we know this, over the last 50 to 70 years, and I'll even say 40 years, the rate, the incidence of gout has quadrupled. So back before 70 years ago and back since humans became homo sapiens and sort of broke away from the family of great apes, that was always about the same level. You know, there wasn't this, you know, there we, the first incidence of gout, as I've talked about before, was nearly 5,000 years ago, 4,260, whatever, in Egypt. Okay, and then it goes on. We know a lot of famous people that have gout. Benjamin Franklin, various actors, Lawrence Olivier, Thomas Jefferson, and so on and so forth. But what are the other factors? Yes, it's alcohol. Yes, it's what they call high, it's sugar, generally. So when we say high fructose, corn syrup, we say high fructose. It's not that it's fructose by itself that you do get from fruit, clearly. It's the fact that you have high fructose corn syrup back in the 70s, when it finally became available, drove the cost of sugar down so cheaply, suddenly it's soft drinks and were, were so cheap and everybody started having soft drinks and very sugary food. That's what happened. So when we cite high fructose corn syrup, it was an event that drove the price of sugar down. And high fructose corn syrup is marginally higher. Sugar, sucrose, is glucose and fructose. High fructose corn syrup is just a smidgen over 50, 54%. So it's about the same. So it's not about fructose per se and by itself. And I did a whole video on that and you can see that above. It's about sugar. Glucose and fructose together are sucrose. That's what that's about. So that was a big driver uh, in the 60s. But what else increased in that period of time? The amount of omega-6 in all of our foods that we have, and that's called in carbohydrates, and in the meats that we have, unless you live on some farm and you know that it was grass-fed, whatever it is you're eating. So all of those grain-fed animals that you are eating, be them poultry, be them pigs, be them beef, be them whatever it is that you're eating, lamb, they suddenly have a much higher level of omega-6. That muffin you're having post-1970 is far higher. All the oils, the soy oils, the vegetable oils, that's what they use. So it's no longer lard and other oils that they use. D dramatic change. So omega-6 spiked up both in the meats and the foods that we eat and certainly how we cook it is vegetable oils. Okay, the second thing that increased is antibiotics. Post-World War II, which is about 70 years ago, antibiotics came in as this wonder drug. Absolutely huge wonder drug. And it transformed people's lives, and it still does. But we have other issues for that right now. So antibiotics have been first used as the miracle drug in the 60s, all the way on up, now we have the antibiotic resistance, of course, and we're, we're supposed to be using less. But that's on humans. Did you know that starting in the 50s and that 80% of the consumption of antibiotics in the United States is for animals, large, uh, large care animals, horses, cows, cattle. What they learn, it's not because they're sick, 
what they learned is by giving them antibiotics, the animals get bigger and heavier and fatter. And if you are paid for a cow by pound, you want it to be bigger and heavier and fatter. That's what happens. So they would give, this is well for, documented from the 50s to certainly up to uh, 2010. And now supposedly they backed off a little bit, but that's the other source of antibiotics that you were getting. So not only are you getting high omega-6, you're getting antibiotics, which is certainly adding to the uh, antibiotic resistance. And that's not where I'm going with this, but what does this have to do with uric acid? A third of your uric acid is excreted, gotten rid of through your intestine. When you start taking antibiotic, it alters, if not kills off a portion of your microbiome, the bacteria there specific, and there's a lot of other things. Long story short, it reduces the intestine's ability to excrete uric acid, antibiotics. So what about omega-6? What does that do? That's a very pro-inflammatory. So that guy or woman, mostly it's a guy who came in with his gout, limping in, unable to put his weight on his foot suddenly, that pain was probably 10 times more inflamed than it had to be because his omega-6 to 3 ratio is probably anywhere from 15 to 25 or more to omega-3. And back before 1960 in Crete, by the way, you ought to look up Dr. Artemis Sinopoulos. She's the one who has spent 60 years focusing on the omega 6-3 ratio and how out of filter, out of kilter that is. But anyways, in Crete, for example, in 1960, the ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 was one to one. That's a very non-inflammatory metabolism to have. Incredible. So when you're 25 to one omega-6 to three, it's like dry kindling, waiting for a spark, and causing systemic inflammation. Antibiotics, omega-6, they increased a lot. If you want to add the high fructose corn syrup to that and insulin resistance, the whole thing is just building up. But what I'm trying to say, it's not just high fructose corn syrup. It's not just, there you go, that's the reason. If you are eating the standard American diet, then don't do that if you care about your health. You move on. Most people that are watching this video are not eating the standard American diet. They're already aware enough to move away from that. Maybe they've moved away from it completely. So we're talking about, ideally, when people talk about back to, to meats, why would you pay the extra money to be grass-fed as opposed to grain-fed? Well, the difference there is, and forget about the snobbiness of, oh, it tastes better and all that other stuff. Fine, good for you. No, the difference is in health. And the health is they have a one-to-one -one ratio of omega-6 to omega-3. You're eating appropriate meat. You're eating evolutionarily appropriate meat that's gone back hundreds of thousands of years since we became homo sapiens. So before 70 years ago and going back before that, it was one-to-one. -one. Now we're eating things that are so out of kilter that it immediately. So why am I talking like this? I'm trying to justify how we got to a quadruple rate increase of uric acid, of elevated uric acid and all the problems that causes. All the problems that causes, as covered in previous videos, it covers dementia, Alzheimer's, heart disease, vascular, uh, cerebrovascular, which is basically brain issues. And um, 
vascular dementia as well. Those are big issues. Those were just three. So what did we have? You have to ask the other. What are what were we deficient of? So back 70 years ago, what did we have then that we're not having now? And it can't be perfect because our technology now measures things that, are, that were not that easy to measure back then, but it's pretty straightforward. Here are the three. We did not have enough. We've, we're now very deficient in vitamin D. And that's measured for my client and patient population. That's without... Without a, without a doubt, that is a component. And low vitamin D is very documented with elevated uric acid. Check that off. Easy to address if you know your vitamin D level. So do not take this right now and say, oh, I got to take my vitamin D to get my uric acid down. If you don't know your vitamin D level and you don't know your uric acid level, then what's the point of even paying attention to that, you need to know your number, then you can address it. If you start taking things without knowing your number, you're asking for another problem. Okay, so we did vitamin D, omega-3. I told you about the omega-6. Omega-3 is pathetically low. We're talking pathetically low. It should be about, and there's a, there's a lab test you can get, which is your omega-6 to 3, uh, omega-6 to 3 ratio. It's called uh, your omega panel or your omega-6-3 panel, it's called different things. And so you're trying to get it to one-to-one. -one. Ideally, two or three is great, you know, your ballpark. But just looking at omega-3, apart from the ratio to omega-6, what you want to have is about 8%. You'll, get an, you'll see the number you want an 8. 8%, that's what that means. So we're getting ones and twos. We're like incredibly deficient. All right, what else are we deficient in? We are deficient in vitamin C. Vitamin C, how do we know about vitamin C? Linus Pauling and all those other things. Vitamin C is important. It's important in the context of uric acid because it's specifically, both omega-3 by the way, omega-3 helps get rid of, helps excrete, helps let the kidney release more uric acid. Vitamin C does that, omega-3 does that, Omega-6 just does the opposite, as you could probably guess. So there you are. You have three things, pretty obvious things. Vitamin C, vitamin D, and omega-3. Those three things. Now, let's just think for a second. Where would you get, where would you get vitamin C? Where would you get omega-3? And where would you get vitamin D? Well, if you figure, we lived outside for the longest time as we evolved from the great apes to, what are we now, modern humans? Well, we got plenty of sunshine. We had, we, were, we learned, we evolved to be able to eat fruit, which is not terrible, had the vitamin C. If you really want to get into fruit, by the way, there's a thing called fructose to vitamin C ratio, and that's part of, it's a whole other topic. It's fascinating though. And so yes, there's some sugar in there too, but it's in the context of a whole food. It is not the problem. I wouldn't go, I don't eat that much in the way of fruit. We have a peach tree. We got one last year. We got two this year. We're hoping for more next year. Maybe I'd be convinced. They were great though. They were really good. Um, so it's just not something you have a lot of. But vitamin C, vitamin D, omega-3. We ate fish as much as possible. And then the game was one-to-one, -one, meaning the, the meat we ate was a one-to-one -one ratio. So there you go. It is not just that we have high fructose corn syrup and have so much sugar in our diet from the donuts to the Coca-Cola to the Pepsi to the Mountain Dew, you name it, Dr. Pepper, all that crazy stuff. This is cited for us. That's the reason we have insulin resistance. Yeah, that is a reason. But smart people have issues too 
that actually are doing quite fine without any of that food. What are the other reasons? The other reasons are this, that I'm trying to explain why some men and women have posted and have called me, asked me saying, you know, I, I've, I'm now on carnivore or ketovore or whatever they want to call it, a high protein, whole food sources of protein. Why am I having this problem? Well, unfortunately, we've corrupted the meat service. We've corrupted the poultry very high in omega-6. Most meats we eat, pork in particular, is very high in omega-6. Do you think you're getting antibiotics through either of them? Well, maybe, of course, of course you are. That is an issue. So you have to look at what are you actually eating. You have to look at your numbers. Have you heard? Look at your numbers. Look at your numbers. You don't just, oh, I need this. Dr. Goldcamp said vitamin C, omega-3, and what else did I say? Um, and omega-3. They're pretty benign to take as long as you don't take too much vitamin D. You can kind of do it without. I'm not advocating and I'm saying know your numbers because now you'll know how much you need to do, what you need to do to change that how much you need to take. Don't go crazy because if you have too much vitamin D, it will set you up for hypercalcemia in your blood. And that's going to set you up for various heart disease, heart disease and calcium deposition and joint problems. So it's not a panacea. Obviously very low is a problem. Very high is toxic. So you have it on both sides and that's how it is for everything. You don't stay out to get your vitamin C all day at vitamin C, your vitamin D all day, but you Get some sun, but know your numbers, know what you're eating and have a sense of reality and you can change all that. So yeah, we've corrupted the food supply. That's not good news, but you can work your way around it and know what things you should do to work your way out of this. I think I've given you a, a little bit of a head start on that, don't you think? I'm hoping so. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcamp again for a brief reminder of something I completely forget to do at the end of every episode. You've heard me talk long enough in many different episodes, but what I would love you to do, and many of you have already done this, I just want to reinforce this particular behavior, which is to send me your questions. Send me your questions and anything you have about keto. If there's something that I don't know, I will look it up. And if it's something that intrigues me, I will probably make an episode, uh, a podcast about that particular topic. So what you need to do is to send me your questions at drgoldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. So that's D-R-G-O-L-D-K-A-M-P at K-E-T-O-N-A-T-U-R-O. P-A-T-H.com, drgoldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. Feel free to join our Facebook group, which is also ketonaturopath.com. That's been growing lately. You also have to answer a questionnaire should you cho choose to join. And I don't ask for your email. I ask that you follow our terms. I try to avoid uh, advertising and uh, the obvious interruptions of a, just a good Facebook group. So hope to see you at one place or other. Please send me your questions and uh, look forward to talking to you and getting to know you. Take care.